morning, I'm asked, this afternoon, I'm asking for the Lord's help and direction because I've had an extremely busy week this week. Two people have given me all kinds of things to do, Father Otis and my wife. <laughs> so it's kept me pretty busy, all the things that I've had to try to work on this week, and then to also get ready to prepare a homily for you all today. But I think the couple of things that I want to try to get across to each one of you all today, first of all, let's talk about the intentions that have been going on last week and began this weekend. The first intentions that have been going on since last week is the prayers for Christian, Christian unity, a one-week, nine-day novena for Christian unity throughout the world. And Christian unity has been an ecumenical topic that has been existing for a long period of time. And in the beginning, what happened was when they began to talk to each other and try to bring each other closer together, as well as the Eastern churches, as well as the Roman Catholic Church and all of the Protestant sects, what ended up happening was they were having difficulty because they were spending all their time on theology and events. And all of a sudden, about 10 years ago, they changed the topic and they started looking at justice and mercy and see what they had in common in following Jesus Christ in justice and mercy. And it's amazing the number of things that have been accomplished in the last decade in regards to this topic to help us come towards Christian unity. The second thing which has begun began Friday. It's also another nine-day novena. And I think all of you all are aware of the fact that this weekend, Friday, it was the March of Life in Washington, D.C. It would happen and transpired young people and religious from all over the United States of America went to Washington, D.C. to march to show their support for Roe versus Wade being overthrown and the Supreme Court changing that decision. And this is the Respect for Human Life Week, the nine days that we have for Novena. We ask you all to please join those Novenas and join those prayers and be able to pray for Christian unity and to be able to pray for human life, respect for human life. Also, this Sunday, the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, by announcement by Pope Francis, has now become every year it's going to be the Word of God Sunday. Just like we had the baptism of Jesus and we had the epiphany, well, the third Sunday of ordinary time is now going to become the Word of God Sunday. I was reading something about psychologists, and what happened was it, there was a reference to the fact that in the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s, and at the turn of the century, the primary emphasis of medical achievements were on the heart. And of course, I'm very happy that it was after what happened sometimes with my heart, and I was able to make sure that now my pacemaker's working correctly. So I'm glad that had happened, that they got all those medical accomplishments. But all of a sudden, at the turn of the century, it began to be accomplished towards the brain. And there's been a lot of medical attention on the brain. And one of the aspects of that medical attention has been psychologists to look at long-term memory and short-term memory and see what the effect of both of those has on an individual and in that individual's activities and in their life and in their values, the way they accomplish and build their values in their life. 
I had a very unusual situation happen to me when I was the principal of a small high school in South Louisiana. And one of the things that happened to me was we decided that on Thanksgiving we were going to go and we were going to deliver Thanksgiving baskets and go down this road and deliver baskets to houses that looked like they needed Thanksgiving baskets. And there was one little tenant farmer house. And on that tenant farmer house there was a lady who was sitting in her rocking chair and rocking and singing. And we decided to stop and walked up to her. And as we started coming up the driveway to walk to her, we noticed that she was singing the Bible, everything about the Bible. What had transpired for her was she couldn't read, she couldn't write. So the way the Bible was being transmitted from one generation to the next was through song. That each one of the nation, each one of the generations would be able to learn and understand the Bible and carry that transition over as they would go through life especially those who couldn't read and take the Bible themselves and be able to learn from the Bible. Well, what's happened is, is that we're of an age now where so many of us read and so many of us have the opportunity to be able to get a hold of a Bible. That's why Pope Francis has put such an emphasis on the Word of God and how important the Word of God is. And we need to be able to read Scripture, especially the Gospels and the Episcopals. We need to be able to look at those and see how they affect their life. Let me take an attempt at this and look closely at the readings today. Let's start off with the book of Nehemiah and Ezra. It's interesting, if you look at that reading and you take it and you reflect upon it, you will see so many things which happens to us here today. They gathered on a particular day. Nehemiah came up on a wooden platform. He read the scriptures to the people. He gave reflections upon that scripture, and he did it from the morning until noon, and he tried to be able to transmit all of them to understand what was contained in the scriptures, not only the Torah, but what the prophets said and what the prophets predicted so that they can see the good times and realize that even though they had broke the original covenants, that a new covenant was coming with our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he didn't say Jesus Christ, he said a Messiah. And that Messiah was going to come, and with that Messiah, they were going to be able to have a covenant that was going to be the lasting covenant for all of them. And that there would be good times, and there would be the fact that each and every one of them would not be sad, and they would be able to be joyous. That was because they would take the opportunity to learn their scripture. That's what's so important about this. You rejoice in the Lord when you have strength and you understand what's contained in those scriptures and what's given to us in the scripture. So it becomes important on this Word of God Sunday that we start trying to figure out how we can start reflecting on scripture in our life and understand what God is telling us. You know, in the gospel today, I love the gospel today. The first paragraph, remember, Luke emphasized Jesus as man. He wanted us to understand that, just like John emphasized the divinity. What happens is Luke begins his gospel by saying a lot of people wrote stuff down, but mine is going to be good because there's going to be an eyewitness. There's going to be a sequence. We're going to write down exactly what the teachings were that were taught to us. 
That was one of the prescriptions of all the writings that were found and discovered, which ones were chosen to be in the Bible and which ones were not, based upon the whole concept of which ones actually were a relevant prediction, orderly in sequence, telling us that they were actually there in person to vision what was going on and what took place and transpired to give us an original interpretation. And then what it says is that Jesus now returns to Galilee. Well, the significance is that doesn't make a lot of sense unless you understand and you reflect upon the last three or four or five weeks. What happens? Jesus is born. He goes to the temple and goes about his father's business, but for almost 30 years, we don't hardly hear anything about Jesus at all. What causes Jesus to be able to come out and decide that he's gonna to go to his public life? He gets baptized. That's why that Sunday was so significant and so important. Because we were told that with his baptism, it was different from just repentance when it says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And then what happens, as soon as Jesus comes out of the Jordan, what does he do? He spends 40 days in the desert fasting, being tempted, overcoming the devil, and getting ready to set the course of his public actions and getting ready to be able to go out into the world. That's what the scripture now tells us today. When he goes to Galilee, and he chose Galilee, not Jerusalem, because if you know something about historical facts in the Bible, the Galileans were much more willing to accept some liberal thoughts than were the people in Jerusalem where they were much more conservative and more traditional in what they wanted to hear. He goes to Galilee and he goes in the synagogue. And what does he do in the synagogue? He opens the scroll, scroll and he announces the beginning of his public life. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me, he has sent me to bring liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim a year acceptable to the Lord. Now, if you don't quite understand this, the blind wasn't the blind. The blind was the people who had a wall and didn't understand the scriptures that had existed and what was going on. They were blind. We have, we have that happen to us in our lives. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. And you know what that means for you and I? That means for you and I, we are made of body and soul in the image of God. Oh, we do a lot with the body. I've done a lot with the body, a lot of misuse and gained a lot of weight and took all care of it as best I can physically. But what have I done with my soul? Have I worked with my soul and my spirit? That's what he's addressing. What must happen is in the soul and the development of the soul, we must decrease our decision-making on worldliness and secularism and materialism. And we need to start making our decisions based upon the fact that God has given us an understanding of the, what happens within our soul so that that must increase based on decisions of following the model of what Jesus Christ tells us. And let the oppressed go free. That's us. If we don't, we're being oppressed and not realizing it sometimes. 
And what should we do? We need to be there for each other. And that's why the scripture today talks about in St. Paul to the Colossians, we are one body. We all have gifts and talents. And we need, if, just think if we were all involved and all how strong we would be and how strong our Catholic Church could be throughout the world and how much stronger St. Peter can be. It's a wonderful parish with over 75 ministries and so many things going on. But so many of us say in our mind, well, something had to happen, so what happened was that person gave a lot of money, so that person gave money, that person's blessed and took care of the church. I don't have a lot of money, so I don't need to get involved in the church. Or that lady goes to mass every day, and because she goes to mass every day, she's a wonderful person. I don't have time to do that. I'm not. No, yes, you do have time. You have gifts within yourself, and you need to do two things. You need to discover what those gifts are, listen to the word of God, and then when you find out what your gifts are, utilize them in a very powerful way. And if every member of the body comes together and uses their gifts in the parish and in the church, think how strong we're going to be. And the one body would become even stronger than it is right now. You know, it's interesting. Think about some things. First of all, Jesus right now, in his first coming out, the first thing he does, he comes out and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and announces his public display of the fact that he's going to do his ministry. What's the one thing he does after he resurrects to make sure we understand that we need guidance in our, in our public ministry and our involvement in finding the gifts? He walks with two people on the road to Emmaus, and what does he do? He tells them the entire story of everything that was supposed to happen and transpire to be able to tell us about the Messiah and the Messiah's coming, and that the Messiah would resurrect and open the eternal gates for each and every one of us. A lot of challenges there. Challenge number one. You find some time to read the scriptures, and if you read the Bible, on the bottom of the Bible, there are the commentaries which explain what you've just read. The challenge is to try to be able to find out what your gifts are and discover what those gifts are. It's a reader, it's a Eucharistic minister, it's to go to the men of God meetings, it's to be a knight, it's to help out around the gardens and the, and the parish. Find out what your ministry is and what your gifts are to help us all. And the third challenge is we need to all make sure that we get up and start practicing those gifts in the parish and be able to do the best we can to continue to be able to take the gifts we have that God has given us and to grow our souls within us based upon Jesus Christ and the model that he is. That's the gifts that we have to have within us. God bless all of you all. Take the challenge. Take the three steps. Thank you.